Will you please remain standing with me for the reading of the scripture? We're reading from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Will you join me? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning. My name is Brandon Blackson. I'm one of the associate pastors here, and I'm excited to be with you and excited to get to share with you this morning. We're wrapping up a six-week series on the book of Ephesians called Identity, Finding Your True Self. And we've been asking the question of the text, who, who am I really? Who am I at my core, and who does God say that I am? And, and as we've been going through, we've been um, learning, and we're going to kind of wrap it up this morning and, and talk about once we know who we are, how do we maintain that? How do we sustain that and remember who we are? Because we all face challenges that, that threaten to make us forget whose we truly are. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Last week, we heard about Ephesians chapter 5 from Pastor Mark, and this verse kind of sums up the message, live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And one of the things that we talked about is as we find our identity in Christ, that shapes the way that we live. It doesn't just affect us on Sundays. It doesn't just affect us every now and then whenever we are in a particularly religious mood, but, but it shapes our entire life, the way that we treat each other. And I know there are a few of you Thursday and a few of you Saturday that, that were watching football Football, and, uh, and it even shapes the way that we behave whenever we watch football. So um, we try to practice what we preach. So Pastor Mark was at the OSU game on Thursday. I was at the OU game yesterday. And, and as far as we know, we, we conducted ourselves in a Christian way. But, um, you know, it's, it's easy whenever you win by a lot. So we'll, the challenges will come. <laughs> But we have to remember, sometimes that, that spirit of the crowd catches us and, you know, we get really excited and sometimes a, a call goes against us and, and we find ourselves saying things that probably Jesus would not have us say. And uh, we get excited whenever someone gets hit really hard and, and maybe even whenever they stay down. And that's probably not what brings God joy either. And, and so the way that we live our lives really matters, even on Saturdays. And so we're trying to live that out. We're to be imitators of God. That's the message. And so uh, we're going to continue in the book of Ephesians and uh, find out how Paul wraps this up for us this morning. And so as we talk about identity, we're thinking about who am I truly and, and how do I maintain that sense of who I am. And so I've been thinking about who I am and kind of at various stages in my life, how I identified myself. And whenever I was young, I was really into baseball. I loved baseball and, and loved to play, loved to watch, loved reading about it. And I'd get up every morning and, and really I started being a fan of Major League Baseball in 1994. And some of you remember that season. There were several players who were chasing Roger Maris's home run record for season, single season home runs before well, before the steroid era, or at least before we really knew about the steroid era, maybe it was going on, but, but every morning I would get up and I would open the paper and look at the box scores and find out if Ken Griffey Jr. hit a home run or not, because he was on pace, and, and of course that season got, well, maybe not, of course, no one, many of you were not born whenever this happened, but that, that season ended prematurely and because the baseball um, players went on strike, and so, uh, so we, you know, I still wonder what could have been, but, but I ate and slept and, and drank football, or football, baseball, anyway, Obviously, you can tell by, by the way I'm choosing the right sport, but it was, it was all that, all, I was all about it, and, and I thought whenever I grew up, I wanted to be a professional baseball player, and, and you can see by my demeanor in this picture, I was, <laughs> I was really serious about it. We had really cool uniforms that season, by the way, but, but I, I love baseball, and, and that's who I was. As I grew older, a more realistic assessment of my talent set in, 
And the, the, the truth came to me that I was probably not going to become a professional baseball player. And so, so that part of my identity had, had to fade away because uh, my, my talent couldn't sustain it. And, and so I moved on. And, and uh, around the time I, I was in junior high was the time that I stopped uh, playing baseball. And I got really into music. And so uh, I, I, that was the era of the boy bands. And so NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys were at the top of the charts. And I, I wasn't really into that. And, and so I, I started feeling like if you liked that kind of music that you were a conformist. And I started defining myself in opposition to that. And so I was a non-conformist. And so I found these other norms to conform to. They just weren't the ones that were on the top of the charts. But, but I was into, I thought at least, that I was a punk rocker. And uh, so <laughs> I know you can tell by looking at me. <laughs> But, you know, I got rid of my preppy clothes, and I got shirts that had band names on them, and that was how I dressed, and I made sure that I had Converse tennis shoes. Those I thought were punk rock. Apparently, a lot of people still wear those. Don't hold that association, but that's where I was. And, and so I learned this rule that, that the more obscure the band that you were listening to, the better. And if they got popular, if you ever heard them on the radio, that meant they sold out, and they were anathema, and you could only talk about them in, in negative terms. Eventually, I, I figured out that, that even in my non-conformity, I was actually conforming to something else. And, and did you know that if you define yourself in opposition to something, you're still letting that thing define you? That's what I figured out. And so uh, that, that part of my identity kind of faded. And you know, I, I still sometimes, whenever I'm feeling nostalgic, pull out some of that. I don't pull it out. I just pull it up on iTunes. But, but I listen to it. And, and I'm sure Courtney, my wife, is rolling her eyes, but, but she's nice about it. But anyway, so, so I figured out I, I wasn't going to, to be a punk rocker forever. And uh, I, I was even in a band at one point and, and played guitar. And the thing that I knew was if, if you're really punk rock, then your guitar has to be as low as the strap will allow. And if you could reach the strings without bending over, then, then you're kind of a loser. So, so for the band, anyway, that's a free tip. You, you might need to <laughs> adjust your straps. So anyway, that, that didn't go very far. Um, and... Uh, and I'm, I'm not a punk rocker today and don't play my guitar very often. But, uh, but anyway, I, I continued. Whenever I was in junior high and high school, I also played football, which again is apparent by looking at me, <laughs> my imposing stature. There, there's an action shot. I don't even have to tell you that that was during a JV game, not varsity. <laughs> but I... You know, I, I was clear whenever I started playing, football wasn't something that I was going to do forever. I mean, I knew that if, if I made it through 12th grade, I was doing well and had no illusions that I was going to play in college. But I mean, it was whenever I was in high school, that was most of my life. I mean, we practiced for hours, even during the off season, during the summer, we were up there in the weight room and running plays. And, and every Friday night, that's we were playing football and it was a huge part of my life. And I remember that, that last Friday that we played in the playoffs, we lost, and walking off that field, just that getting hit by that profound sense that, that my life was different, that, that this thing that had occupied so much of my time, and even though I knew it wasn't my future, it, it was a big part of who I was, and I had to walk away from that, it, and, and that was tough. And, you know, all of these things are difficult whenever they fall away. Uh, don't worry, I found new ways to identify myself. So I, I, was, I was always good at school and, and made good grades. And, and so I, I never would have said this about myself, but I wanted other people to say it. I wanted to be thought of as a smart person or as a scholar. So I wouldn't call myself that, but, but you know how that is. This is the thing I wanted other people to say about me. So um, I went to OCU for college and you can see I was so studious while I was there. I didn't even have time to get a haircut. <laughs> 
that's how much I was studying. But I, I also met my wife, Courtney, there, and uh, just girlfriend, Courtney, at that point. But, but so I, I went to college and then went to seminary at, at Vanderbilt. One of the things I did learn was to get a haircut before graduation. And so uh, that's at least, there's at least one time whenever I learned from my mistakes. Also, apparently, I, I figured out how to look younger despite aging three years. And, and so that's not part of the curriculum. I just picked it up intuitively. But, you know, eventually I graduated, and, and so I had studied hard, and I loved it. I loved, you know, the, the questions we had to wrestle with and trying to articulate that in papers and, and then wrestling with other people and, and um, just everything that went along with it. But, but eventually I graduated, and I'm not in school anymore, and, and there's nobody except maybe my mom, but maybe not, who cares about my GPA. And, and, you know, if you're thinking right now, I wonder what his GPA was, it's probably only because you want to think, I bet mine was higher. So I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to save you that temptation. One of the things that we've learned about in identity is it's not good to base your identity on comparing yourself to others. So I don't want, don't want to force you into that temptation. Well, so I, I've graduated, now I have a job, and I'm a pastor. I, we just found this picture lying around, I don't know where it came from, but... <laughs> But now I have this job, and, and it's, for everyone listening to the podcast, I'm wearing the same clothes in the picture as I am while I'm preaching. <laughs> and, and so I have this job that, that is more than just a job to me. I mean, it's a calling. I'm, I'm not here because there was a help wanted at. I mean, I, I really believe this is where God wants me to be. And even then, there's going to come a day whenever I'm not a pastor anymore. I'm, I'm planning on making it to retirement, but one way or another, I'm, I'm not going to be in, in ministry in the same way as, as I am now. And so one of the things I've got to watch out for is if, if I define myself by this, whenever retirement comes, I'm, I'm going to struggle. I'm going to be that pastor in the front row who's trying to tell the preacher what to do, and uh, not that that's... Not, <laughs> not to imply anything... All right, next slide. <laughs> but the problem that we face is that our identity is always under assault. I mean, all of these things that, that we wrap ourselves up in, these ways that we try to define ourselves, none of them can last forever. They all fall away at some point, and, and then we're left wrestling with, who am I really? Who, who am I really? And, and so whatever it is, whether it's a job changing, whether it's um, graduating from one stage of life to another, sometimes it's, it's just a change in family status, that, whether that's going through a, a difficult time, if you go through a divorce when your kids graduate, if you want kids and don't have them, there are so many things that that if we put our identity in those things, we're really going to struggle because eventually those things are going to change and we'll be left wondering, who am I really? Because this thing that I counted on is no longer there. I think early, um, whenever I was first starting out as a pastor, one of the things that, that if I was honest with myself is, is I, I really kind of put my identity in being the pastor that everybody liked. Well, one, one day I made a decision that somebody didn't like and they let me know about it and told me I needed to change my mind, and I didn't. And they left the church. Someone left the church because of something that I had decided. And, and you know, really, it, it doesn't even matter if I was right or not, but someone had left, and if my identity was just being the one that everybody liked, like, I was going to struggle. 
And, uh, you know, if, if you're someone who's like me and a lot of your self-worth comes from uh, whether or not people like you, we've got to get out of that because there's always someone who doesn't like you. And, and if not, then you're probably not just making choices that only lead to pleasing people anyway and you can never make them happy. But, but the, we find so many ways that, that our identity is under assault. None of us is immune to that and that will always happen at some point. The, the thing that we use to define ourselves, if, if we're not defining ourselves as the Bible instructs us to, that we're going to struggle. And so we've been talking about for the last few weeks the, the five lies of identity. These come from Henry Nouwen, and, um, and these, these are the five that, that we find in many different places in our lives, but I am what I have, I am what I do, I am what other people say about me, that's the one that, that I struggled with. I'm nothing more than my worst moment, and I'm nothing less than my best moment. All of these are pitfalls that, that if we really believe them, if we believe that's where our identity comes from, we're, we're going to struggle. And so I just wonder this morning, what are the lies you believe about yourself? If you're really honest with yourself, what are the things that you believe? Where does your identity come from? What are the things that you're t- tempted to believe? If, if, if this changed about me, then I don't know who I would be anymore. And, and you've got space in your sermon notes if you want to pull those out, if you haven't, to write that down if you want to. But I hope that's something that you'll wrestle with, because we all believe those lies. And, and if we're not aware of them and, and overcoming them, they have the potential to really wreck our lives. So this morning we're asking, how do we find our identity? And, and we've been talking about this for the last five weeks. And, and if you've missed, I hope that you'll go back and listen to the podcast. You can go to our website to acts2umc.org and choose sermons from the menu. There have been some great messages. And, uh, but, but as we've been wrestling that, you know, whenever we ask this question, a lot of times we start by kind of looking in the mirror, by saying, who am I? You know, what, what am I like? What are the things that I enjoy doing? What am I good at? What, what is my job? What do I do? And, and, and questions like that. Those are the things that we think about. But, but if we start there, we're actually starting in the wrong place. Because what Scripture tells us is our identity begins not with who we are, but whose we are. It's not about who we are as individuals. It's, it's about whose we are, who created us, to whom do we belong. And so to really get at who we are, to get at our true identity, it doesn't start with us, it starts with God. And so if you were here four weeks ago or three weeks ago, you you heard this from Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Really, in a sense, this verse and the ones that follow it sum up the gospel for us, that, that we're saved by grace. And that God chooses us, not because of who we are, because we have the right identity, because we, we live the right way, or we have the right background, or the right parents, or the right income level, or any of those things. God chooses us, not because of us, but because of who God is. Because God loves all of us because of who we are. So our, our true identity doesn't come from us, it comes from the fact that in the beginning, God created humankind in God's image. And that each of us is our beloved children of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the, the one who loved us so much that he thought each of us was worth dying for, and that we have life in his name. And so all of us finds our truest identity in him as beloved children of God. You want to know who you are really? I mean, that's, that's the answer. The Bible says it in a lot of different ways, but who you are is a beloved child of God because of the grace of Jesus Christ. That's where we start Because if we know whose we are, then we know who we are. If we know that we're God's, if we know that we find our true identity in Christ, then we'll know who we are. And so I hope what you recognize this morning is that who you are is a gift. It's a gift. I know sometimes it doesn't feel that way. 
Sometimes it feels like you have to earn your way or there are things that you don't like about yourself, things that you would change if you, wish you, if you had the ability to, things that, that you want to change about your life or any of those things. But each one of us is a gift of God, a gift to ourselves and a gift to one another. And if you're here this morning, if you're listening this morning, I hope that, that you know that, that God created you because God loves you, that that is a gift and that it's a gift to us as well. And we need each one of you because we're all the body of Christ together. We're incomplete if one of us isn't here. And I hope that whenever you have those moments, whenever you struggle, whenever you feel like, you know, I, I don't feel like a gift right now, or I feel like this was a bad trick if it was a gift, that you remember that whatever it is that, that you wish you could change is not the truest part of who you are, that probably that's one of those five lies speaking, that who you truly are is a beloved child of God. That's God's gift to you because of who God is, regardless of anything else. This is what Fame Perkins says, a New Testament scholar from Boston College. She said, someone who has a secure grasp on his or her identity as a believer cannot be forced to surrender that truth. Whenever we know securely whose we are, then we're able to withstand those assaults that come. Whenever those changing circumstances come, we're able to know that even though this thing that was really important to me is gone now, even though this job that, that played such a big part of my life, even though it's gone, I know who I am because I know whose I am. I know that I'm a beloved child of God. That's who I truly am. So then the next question is, how do we hold on to our identity? Because I don't know about you all, but, but I didn't like prof- make a profession of faith and, and then everything was easy. It was like, okay, I'm a child of God. I put my trust in Jesus and now it's all smooth and I don't have to worry about that anymore, right? Like most of those pictures that you saw of me were, were after that. So, so the struggle continued. And, uh, and if, uh, if you're new to faith, then uh, I'll just prepare you. Like it, it doesn't just get easy all of a sudden. Because those attacks continue to come, those reasons to doubt ourselves, those those difficult situations in life that we face still continue to come and to assault us. And so we have to continually be on our guard to fight against those. And so Paul talks about this struggle that we're in, and and you heard it in that verse that that we read before before the sermon, and, and he continues, therefore take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. And so whenever Paul talks about being able to stand firm and, and to withstand, he's talking to, he's talking to a community that's in a difficult situation, a community that uh, was part of the minority, that Christianity was still a very small uh, part of the population, and so it was difficult in order to persevere, to continue to be part of the church, because every part of the prevailing culture pushed you the other way. And, and so Paul was praying for them to, to be able to withstand against the pressure to, to give up and to follow the culture and to give up on Christ, because he knew that they needed that strength in order to be able to stand. And I think one of the things that's really important, he goes on to, to articulate what that looks like. He, he says, take up the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth, put on the helmet of salvation, and put on shoes that will allow you to be ready to proclaim the gospel. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word. And I think sometimes if, if you're like me and you grew up in church and, and you, know, you get the coloring sheet that has the, the soldier with a belt that says truth on it, we sometimes get really wrapped up in those specific things. But, but I think one of the most important parts of this passage are, are two words, of God. Because sometimes we think if I, just, if I just act the right way, if I, if I give, make myself be righteous, if I only tell the truth, then, then I'll be able to withstand these things. I, I think sometimes we miss the fact that the armor isn't ours, it comes from God, that again, it's a gift. 
And so whenever Paul says that, he's not just making stuff up. He's actually referring to several different passages in Isaiah. One of the clearest uh, parallels is Isaiah 55, verse 19. But, but it's, it, he's, Isaiah's telling of a time when God would take up his armor, when he would put his armor on and then go out to defend the people of Israel from all the forces that faced them. And so Paul said, yeah, this armor that, that Isaiah was talking about, you put it on too. God is allowing you to put on that armor. And so whenever we feel that pressure, like we're the ones who, who have, to, have to protect ourselves, like it's all on us and our strength, it, it's not. He says, put on the armor of God. Be strengthened in the Lord's strength. And so it doesn't rely on us. Again, it relies on God. So as, as we take up God's strength, we also, as we try to maintain our identity, we keep things in the proper order. So we talked earlier about whenever I'm finding my identity, I start with whose I am and then figure out who I am. And, and whenever we think about how do we live our lives as, as followers of Jesus, we have to keep that same order in mind because what we do doesn't define who we are. Who we are defines what we do. And so the last two weeks, we've talked about really what it means to live as a follower of Christ. The, kind of the first three chapters of Ephesians are kind of the theological background and underpinnings. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6 really lay out how do we live in this new life. If we are people who have been united in Christ, how, how do we live now? And so we've talked about what that looks like. We've talked about what it looks like to live in love, to, to um, be imitators of God, to forgive people even if they don't deserve to be forgiven, to... to be equipped with the gifts that God has given us to build up the church. And, and all of these things are, are not things that we have to do so that we'll be accepted. They're things that we do because we have been accepted. It's, we're living out of our identity instead of trying to, force our to try to force our way into our identity. I think sometimes as a church we get this wrong and we say we're Christians because we, we do these things. We're Christians because we tell the truth or, or because we don't do whatever this kind of sin is because of the things that we do. And that's totally backwards. We do these things because we're Christians. We live faithfully because of who we are, because of what God has done. And whenever we get that backwards, I think we really struggle. The last thing that we need to remember is that we're not alone. We're not alone. This battle that we face doesn't depend only on us. We have God by our side, and then we also have one another. Because whenever we find our identity in Christ, we find it not as individuals, but as a community. As a community. One of the first things that Pastor Mark shared about the book of Ephesians is, is that it's directed to the second person plural, that whenever Paul says you in our English translation, that looks like it's you or you, but it's actually y'all. It's all of you. It, it's plural. And so whenever he's given these instructions, it's not to a bunch of isolated individuals, but it's to one community. It's all of us together. And I think whenever we think about this passage, sometimes I just think about a single soldier who, who's standing there and putting on this armor, and, which if you think about like a single soldier standing against an army, that, that doesn't look good. You don't want to be that one guy standing there, right? And so think instead about like a line of, of infantry, and this is kind of a depiction of what that might have looked like, but, but we take up the shield of faith and whenever we are holding it, we know that there's someone next to us so that if I slip or if I'm struggling, there's someone by my side who's going to protect me. I also know that, that if the person next to me goes to sleep, like I'm in trouble, but we need one another. And, and so we're not in this alone. Whenever we put on that armor, we're not doing it by ourselves. We're joining together. In my house, we watch the movie Moana a lot. I may not have mentioned I have a three-year-old. It's not just me and my wife watch that for fun. But. <laughs> 
I mean, not that it's not a great movie. But in that movie, Moana goes on, on an adventure. She's a young girl, and, and she finds the heart of Tefiti. This is kind of like the, the heart of creation and, and the source of life. And on her island, things are dying because this heart has been taken from, from Tefiti, who's like a, a goddess who, who kind of gives life to, to the world. And, and so she goes on a journey to give it back. And uh, she faces many obstacles. She, she finds uh, um, the rock. Or, uh, wait, what, what is his name? Uh, Maui, right? Not the rock. Um, but but they go on this journey together and overcome all of these obstacles, and finally they, they, they can see the island where, where Tefiti lives, and, and there's one more. It's a giant lava monster, Taka, and uh, who wants the, the heart for herself. And so she's standing in their way, and, and somehow by working together and by Maui making sacrifices, Moana's able to get to the island, and she looks, she gets to the place where Tefiti is supposed to be, and she's not there. And she turns around and realizes that, that Taka, this giant lava monster that seems completely evil, is actually Tefiti, and, and the loss of her heart has caused her to turn into something completely different. She's totally lost her identity. And so we're going to watch now what Moana does after she figures this out. There are times in our lives whenever we forget who we are, whenever something terrible happens to us and, and this thing that, that we've invested all of our identity into is taken away and, and we feel lost like they've taken the heart from inside us. And it's like Moana says, we need someone who can tell us who we truly are. That's one of the most important functions of the body of Christ is to remind one another of whose we are, because every one of us is going to go through something, and we're going to forget. We're going to go through some kind of tragedy. We're going to go through something difficult. Maybe we're even just going to get caught up in, in just being busy, and we forget whose we are. We forget who we truly are, and one of the most powerful things is to have someone beside you who can say, I know who you are. You're a beloved child of God. You're chosen by Jesus to be his follower. And I know this stuff is tough, but it doesn't define you. One of the most powerful things that we can do for one another. Something that each of us at some point in our lives is desperate to hear. So whenever I think back to all the different ways that I've defined myself, from baseball to being a scholar, even to standing here as a pastor, those things are important. Some of them are important. Some of them are important parts of who I am. And, and even my family are one of the most important things in my life, but they're not my identity. What's most important, what is at the core of who I am, is that I'm a beloved child of God, the most important thing about me. 
whenever I'm raising my daughter, I'm going to have to remind her that whenever other kids are mean, that the way that they treat her isn't who she is. Whenever she's made fun of because she doesn't have the right kind of clothes, that, that doesn't make her who she is. And, and whenever she goes through all of those other struggles that all of us go through, that, that's going to be my job to remind her that, that who she truly is, is this. Someone who's baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who's accepted as a beloved child of God. That's at the core of who she is. It's the most important thing about her. And eventually, one day, that's going to be her job to remind me whenever I forget to. So as we think about who we are, how we can maintain that, how we can withstand the assaults that all of us inevitably face, here are a few things that I want you to think about and try to put into practice this week for our action steps. First, identify the lies that you believe about your identity. Identify those lies that you believe about yourself, because if we don't know them, then, then we can't stop believing them. So, so think about that. What are, what are the lies you believe about yourself? What are the ways that, that you try to, to find identity in that, that don't come from God? And, and figure out what those are. And then pray for God to help you find your identity in Christ. If we keep reading in Ephesians, one of the things that he says that we'll read in just a moment is Paul asks for prayer. This feel, I always feel a little bit like that's a typical preacher move whenever I put prayer into the action steps, but it's so important because it's so powerful, because God listens to our prayer and answers them. Prayer can change us and can change our situation. And if we really want to believe it, our heart, because most of us, I think, know in our mind who we truly are, where identity comes from. But if we want to believe that in our heart, we need God to change us. And, and to write that on our hearts so that we always know that. Finally, this week, remind someone that they're a child of God. Maybe you're the one who needed that reminder this morning. We all do at some point or another. But I'm guessing there's someone in your life, maybe in your family, at school, at work, that is just desperate to hear that right now, that is really struggling, that has something going on in their lives that, that is just really eating at them, that is on the verge of making them question who they are. And, and so if you see someone in that situation, remind them that whatever they're going through, whatever it is, doesn't define them. That being a child of God, a follower of Christ, is the most important thing in their lives. This is how Paul begins to wrap up the letter. He says, Pray for me also so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. This, this guy who's given what's basically like, you can imagine, a general standing before his troops and giving them the big speech before the final charge and telling them to put on the full armor of God when he's a prisoner and he's in chains, an ambassador in chains. You know, if you've ever seen an ambassador, they, they usually dress pretty nice, right? Like, you can't imagine going before the, the head of a government dressed in whatever prisoners wear and being chained up. He probably wasn't a very imposing figure. Paul knew who he was because he knew whose he was. And because of that, he was able to stand even after being emaciated and hungry in prison, even after being dirty, even after having to bear the weight of chains. He was ready to stand against all the attacks that came against him. Whenever we remember whose we are and who we are, whenever we stand together as the body of Christ, we're ready to stand against any assault that comes against us. We pray with me? Oh God, we thank you that you've created each one of us, that each of us is a gift, fearfully and wonderfully made. 
God, I pray that you would help us to remember that even whenever it's hard, even whenever we're going things that cause us to question ourselves and to wonder who we really are, what our purpose is, if we even matter, that you would remind us that we're children of God, that we are redeemed by Jesus Christ and his followers and his brothers and sisters. So God, we pray that you would remind us of that and help us to remind those who, who we encounter who need reminders of that, that they would remember that you were the source of their true identity. God, we thank you for Jesus who shows us what it looks like to live out of his identity and shows us what it looks like to be a true follower who lives in love. And as he taught us, so now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.